الجزيرة بودكاست The River Ouse flows through southeastern England. On any given sunny day, you might see people swimming and dogs splashing. But you might also see... On one side it was sewage, I think, and on one side it was sort of oil. Pollution. The river has a lot of it. And in the UK, it's just one of many. Not a single river in England has received a completely clean bill of health when it comes to chemical contamination. Not one. But thanks to a local push, the River Ouse might be the first to be granted legal rights in the country, just as it's been done in the United States, Ecuador, and India. Will giving rights to the River Ouse keep it clean? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. I'm talking to Matthew Bird, who has been a councillor in the town of Lewis since 2019. He was elected as the mayor earlier in May by the town's councillors. In February, he introduced a vote on a motion to give rights to the River Ouse, and he's worked with and near the river for the past decade. So let's just dive right in, pun intended. What is your connection to the river? My connection to the river, well... I live in Lewis. It's uh, situated uh, probably about 40 miles south of London, and it's dissected through the middle by the River Ouse. Basically, Lewis has grown up because of the river and has been shaped by the river, and the river in turn has been shaped by Lewis. It's 36 miles long. It's uh, It runs from... Well, nobody's exactly sure where it starts. It kind of moves around, but it sort of bubbles up from the ground in a place called Slatham, which nobody can pronounce properly because <laughs> it's not spelt how it sounds. And it wiggles around until it hits Lewis, and then it's it's been straightened out, straightened out quite a while ago. Mm. Lots of lots of tributaries running off it. We're living on chalk, which is, you know, very porous. And we have these streams that sort of, you know, have through thousands, thousands of years, you know, made their way to sort of cut through that chalk. So they're very unique uh, little landscapes. And we have very unique flora and fauna, butterflies, etc. And that's the same with the, with the streams. Oh, it sounds gorgeous. Do you have any specific memories around the river? I mean, I have... I have lots, lots of memories. I suppose you connect with the river in different ways for different reasons. And so I, I suppose, yeah, the memory that sort of really stands out is uh, a couple of years ago. I think my first swim in the river, which was just a very gorgeous day. Where you just wanted to jump in that kind of refreshing cold water. Mm-hmm. A bit colder than I thought, <laughs> but refreshing nonetheless. <laughs> And uh, just, yeah, just, just the sort of the, the blue damselflies, you know, the very iridescent, beautiful blue, lo- lots of those swarming around. And then you, know, you see the pollen sort of drifting in the sky and just, just that life and just, yeah, just, just floating in, in the water and letting it all wash away. Well, Matthew, it's your connection to the river that helps explain why you got involved in ensuring 
It's protection. This is something that has happened before. And you were one of the people leading this charge in the UK. Why did you take that approach? Yeah, I suppose I have to say it's not the first time that a council has tried to do this. But as far as I know, it's the first time we've been, the council was successful in in getting a motion through. And it is a first step. I mean, in terms of how we got here, yeah, in some ways it's fairly simple. I went to see a film called Invisible Hand. It's not an environmental movement unless it protects nature as a rights-bearing entity. It's about a community in the U.S. who were really worried about their lake being polluted. Mm -hmm. There was a talk afterwards, and yes, I as a counsellor, and with a few people, we talked about what could we do, because we really felt, you know, we've just consistently, time and time again, our rivers facing all sorts of threats. And we decided to form this group called Love Our Roos. So that was the kind of big, big start of how we got towards putting a motion together. Yeah. Let's talk about one of the reasons behind that motion, which is pollution. You've seen it firsthand in the River Ooze. What does that look like? Well, without getting too graphic about it, there has been incidences of raw sewage leaked into the river. I mean, I think it's important to say that, you know, the, the water companies, the way of dealing with water in the UK has gone from one of sort of public ownership to one of private ownership. England is one of the few countries where the water system is fully privatized. The water company that serves Lewis and the River Ouse is Southern Water. And they, and other water companies, are bringing in a lot of sewage. So we have a thing called uh, combined sewer outflows. And in incidences where there are heavy bouts of rainfall, then water companies are legally allowed to discharge some sewage if it's mixed in with the rainwater. The English water company's combined national spill total is 302,000 incidents last year of sewage being dumped into our waterways and coasts. They were fined a record £90 million for what the judge called a shocking and wholesale disregard for the environment. I suppose the other thing to say is that it's not just about the sewage. There are lots of other forms of pollution. So, you know, I mentioned uh, the river's looking muddy when the tide's going out, water coming off the land. Well, there's lots of pesticides, agricultural runoff, Mm. lots of road runoff, roof runoff. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of different sorts of pollution that's going into our river. And how long has that been true? It's, it's been true for a long time. And mm. when you look at old postcards of Lewis, and in fact, there's one that I used recently. I have this postcard of Lewis in 1923. So it's 100 years ago, looking down off the hills at the river. And it's such an industrial landscape in some ways. So, you know, there has been pollution of one form or another since, I suppose, the Industrial Revolution or you know, for the last... 200 odd years but I think the thing that's obviously changed is that there's more people there's more houses there's more points of 
trying to think for kind of a polite way of describing it, but there's got more origins of sewage. It's okay, be impolite. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is dire, yes. So, you know, the systems are overloaded. I mean, just to give you a figure, there's a, an organization called the Use and Aiders Rivers Trust, and they said, you know, there's 123 legally allowed discharge points into the river. So those are the legally allowed ones. But in actual fact, there's 1,244 discharge points. So, you know, there's all these sort of, you know, unknown sources of discharge going into the river. So it's it's not it's not a great situation and it appears to be getting worse. We'll talk to Matthew about what the council vote was like after the break. Get your news in less than three minutes, three times per day with the Al Jazeera news updates. Just ask your home device to play the news by Al Jazeera or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm talking to former councillor Matthew Bird about the river ooze and the process of granting it rights to fix pollution. So, Matthew, I want to take people back to February when you voted to give the river rights. There was one interesting thing that happened during the voting session. What I believe in um, is this. We have to believe in our ecosystem, our land, the way we live, because otherwise we wouldn't survive. And it's very, very important. It was a speech made not by the Green Party, which you're a part of, but by a conservative councillor, Linda Duhigg, that eventually sold people on the issue. It's the way we live. And it's the same with what we have locally in Lewis and the, the river ooze, the streams, flows into the sea, etc. It's all a mess because humankind is causing the problem. Matthew, what was going through your head when you were listening? Yeah, it was a beautiful moment. One of the interesting things about the way that the debate panned out was that it, you know, almost started from an initial sort of resistance to to the motion on the grounds that it was a bit airy-fairy. It was a little bit out there. Everything is very much up in the air. It would be far better if um, Councillor Bird had said, what we're proposing to do is this. You know, it's just it's just a sort of a bit I- idealistic, good intention. But I think as discussion continued, people started to be a bit curious about, well, how would this work? You know, what, what does it mean? And I think one person said, actually, I'm really worried about the fact that the river might have legal rights to sue a water company or something. And I kind of thought, yeah, no, that that's exactly it. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. I mean, Linda, she, she gave a beautiful speech and it was really heartfelt. And I think it's just really, I suppose, illustrative of the fact that, you know, there are aspects of nature and, you know, in this case, the river, that just touch something deep within us that... You know, it goes beyond politicking. It goes beyond just the way that we usually seek to deal with things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's as relevant as and as important as anything else. And as, as 
you know, and I think that's why we feel so strongly when our environments are, are polluted. Yeah. So what did you think when the votes were, were, were coming in? Very happy. There's a lot of people who want to see this happen. So the motion on the rights of river has been approved by 27 votes, two against and four abstentions. And we really don't know. We really don't know exactly what's going to happen. But we do know something is going to happen. And, and we do know that there is, there is a real will, very steely determination that it is going to happen. Another key moment in the vote for the river's rights came last year. So you were part of putting together a river festival, and this was to celebrate the river ooze. And this is back in September of last year. What was it and what came out of it? So as you say, the main focus was to just celebrate the river. Mm-hmm. I've felt in the past that um, Lewis, as a town, had almost turned its back on its river. It's only recently that it feels like because, you know, more people swimming, also during lockdown, a lot more people, I think, became more engaged with nature because you could hear birdsong. You know, there, there were no cars. You know, people really value you know, the well-being that comes with being outside. Mm-hmm. So I think people really wanted to hold on to that. But also, we were supposed to be informative. So you know, we, we had Southern Water there. We invited the water company. We invited the Environment Agency. We had anglers. We had community choirs. Mm-hmm. We sung the swimming song. <laughs> what you is know, the we, swimming song? The, the swimming song is a great song by Loudon Wainwright. It's about, I think it's about lots of things, but one of the things that it's really about is swimming in different places. So, you know, we, we had lots of people, and I suppose one of the main things we had was a big, we call it a sort of a community river map, but it's aerial photograph on a big scale. It's about sort of seven A zero maps that went from the source of the river to the sea. Mm. And then people were able to walk around it and share their memories, write their memories down, or say, you know, I've seen some pollution here, or I've seen the mullet murmuration here, you know, or I went swimming. So we captured a lot of information that way. We, we had 1,600 people there. So we're sort of still using that map as a way of engaging with people and finding out what people value most. So the river ooze is not the only one with pollution. There's pollution in many of the rivers in the UK. Yeah. And in 2019, none of the country's rivers passed quality control tests after testing for chemicals like PFAs was introduced. And even now, testing for pollution has reduced by 60% since 2020. So do you think that the conversation is changing in the UK about clean sources of water? and how to access them? Yeah, I mean, part of the whole reason for the rights of rivers approach, as as far as I see it, is that we need to change the conversation. The current way of sort of responding to these increased incidents is that it's just not working. I mean, the data's been getting worse and data is taken from various outflow points along the river. And one in Lewis, it's called the Ham Lane Outflow. 
you know that had that had 146 discharges last year which you know in terms of hours that's more than 2400 hours that there were these sewage discharges into the river and, and that's that's completely unacceptable hmm. but it's only one part i think it's less than 10% of all the pollution sources but it's completely unacceptable but our way of dealing with it and our our conversation such as it is is to get outraged is to call for more fines is to call for more penalties and and to just curb water companies behavior and i feel like that hasn't worked to date and that we need to have a different discussion which of course leads to river rights. Yes. What rights should the river have? Well, the right to flow, the right to perform essential functions within the river's ecosystem, so to be free from pollution, and the right to have sustainable aquifers, so you know the, the sources of the river aren't you know messed around with or built on, and the right to have a native biodiversity we do have lots of examples on the river roos like this so we have sea trout that are the best species of sea trout i would say <laughs> but they they can't get all the way up the river so there's a lot of river species that can't actually make their way up the river because of barriers there's a lot with climate change there's a lot of you know different species that will move in and more native ones will disappear but also the right to natural regeneration and restoration. So after this vote, you're in the drafting process to figure out what all of this legally means. What's important about the idea of defending the river versus, say, suing the water companies or other polluters? It's very much a first step. You, first of all, we want a recognition that this was the thing. Got to understand that before this, rights of rivers, rights of nature, and most people have never heard of it. And then secondly, that actually rights of the rivers provides a useful way of sort of looking at our interactions with the rivers. You know, almost an acknowledgement that the mechanisms we have in place to date and the ways that we had had of sort of holding people to account aren't, aren't working. Then I think thirdly, the most important part of it was that uh, the council was signing up to explore rights provers and to work with all these groups like the Environmental Law Foundation and possibly the Environment Agency, Southern Water, to look towards producing this declaration on rights within this two-year time frame. Mm-hmm. So I think this is going to build up into a massive uh, groundswell across the country. And that's when we will start linking up and networking. I think the momentum is going to be quite powerful. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Chloe Kaylee with Nagin Oliai, Miranda Lynn, Ashish Mahodra, Khalid Sultan, Amy Walters, Sonia Bagat, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Our engagement producers are Adam Abugad and Munira Aldosari. Alexandra Locke is The Take's executive producer, and Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back.